Uh, welcome to Jet Centra, folks. This is the Winnipeg Free Press podcast about the Jets, uh, sports in general, and etc. I'm your host, sports editor Steve Lyons, and I'm joined as usual by sports columnist Mike McIntyre. Mike, it's episode 52. Wow, we're clipping along. We are. Today Just like winter is clipping along. It is. The polar vortex is about to end. Let's hope so. Today we're uh, talking about the Jets' first quarter of the season. Uh, we'll visit uh, a trade the Jets made last year and talk a little bit about the one they made this year. Uh, we'll look at uh, maybe chat about who we think their most improved players are this season, how things are looking down on the farm. You went to a moose game last night. What day is it today? Wednesday? It is. You went Tuesday? What's the date? Wednesday, February the what? 17th. It's the 17th of February, folks. A belated happy Valentine's Day to you all. <laughs> And uh, we'll also chat about that, yeah, the slow thaw from this polar vortex, Mike. Looks nice out there today. All right, first period. <laughs> I got to stop doing that. It's getting lame. Okay, so the Jets play tonight, Mike, against the Edmonton Oilers. Um, they've completed the first quarter of their season. Um, they are 9-5-1 and one, heading into tonight's game. Uh, they've left some points on the table and a couple of... Uh, Dying seconds losses. Their most recent one, Saturday, uh, where Ottawa scored a goal with eight seconds left in a 2-1 loss. Um, I think what's surprised me a little bit, though, Mike, the Jets are 9-5-1. They have the third best points percentage in the Canadian division. There's a tremendous amount of hand-wringing <laughs> uh, associated with a team that is 9-5. I'm not looking to be an apologist here for the team either, by the way, folks. Um, but perspective is important. Um, they're 9-5-1. and one. Everybody should be fired. Everybody should yeah, be traded. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the general yeah. consensus. That Mark Shifley's terrible. Right. should be on the fourth line or <laughs> with the moose. I mean, you're right. There's a sky is falling mentality What's for up with that? a 9-5-1 team. Is it the... And polar vortex. Let's face it. Were <laughs> expectations that high coming no, into this year? No, and that's it's, the thing. Right. It's not like we're coming off the year where they made it to the Western Conference final. I'd no. say if you actually look around, not a lot of people even had them necessarily making the playoffs. Exactly. So they're in a playoff they're, they're spot right now. They're far exceeding most people's expectations. And yet those same people seem extremely frustrated that they're not exceeding them even more. And you could also make a valid <laughs> argument, we're going to talk about this more later, but they've played these first 15 games. They've only had um, Patrick Laine for one before he got hurt and then traded. And they've only had his replacement, Pierre-Luc Dubois, for two. And it wasn't the full Pierre-Luc Dubois because he was coming out of quarantine and then he got hurt. So they've actually played... They've gone nine five and one without one of their best players, who was replaced by a guy that should be one of their best players. Um, so the, the big argument, of course, here is that they haven't played Toronto or Montreal much, right? Who are the top two teams? But I mean, we don't know how they're going to play against them until they play against them, right? I, I mean, made that argument last week, and people said, "Yeah, but Toronto, Montreal haven't played Winnipeg either." So, right. I mean, it's depending on your exactly. perspective. Exactly. Starting next week, by the way, Steve, uh, the twenty fifth of February, the Jets will have exactly a two month stretch between February twenty fifth and April twenty fifth. They're going to play thirty one games. 
17 of those 31 are against the Leafs and the Habs. Wow, how Seven, do you know these things, Mike? I crunched those numbers the <laughs> other day. <laughs> but that, so <laughs> you talk about... numbers, folks. You talk about a, a stretch where we're going to learn about these Jets. I mean, that that is coming soon because they're going to play the two best teams, at least right now in the, in the division, a lot uh, starting next week when Montreal comes to town for the first time. So... But you play the schedule you're dealt. Um, yeah, the Jets played Ottawa five times, beat them four. Probably should have had another. Yeah, the Leafs a, played the Sens the other night. And didn't Leafs have lost away. twice to, to Ottawa. Right. They're the number one team, and they've already lost two games to Ottawa. Uh, and there's hand-wringing going on in Toronto, by the way. Of course there is. You know, Paul Maurice said something funny <laughs> before the season started. It's a COVID thing. It's got to be I the guess. hand-wringing, right? But You know, Paul Maurice was bang on when he said before the season started that there is going to be so much hand-wringing just because of the seven Canadian teams only playing each other and the way we, we cover hockey, the way we view hockey in this country. Paul Maurice probably wasn't joking when he said that there's going to be between three and five coaches fired this year. He didn't mean that literally. He meant in the eyes of the public and it was a funny line because, of course, four four out of the seven teams make the playoffs, and Paul Maurice is saying three to five coaches fired, right. implying that even a couple teams that make the playoffs, their fan base will want the coaches run out it's of town. It's super hard to kind of figure out the team a little bit. Um, you know, sometimes they look really, really good. Other times they look like they're on their heels and just reeling. And and then, yeah, the, they're playing the same teams over and over again, and I have no idea whether they're as good as the Boston Bruins or whether they how they stack up against the St. Louis Blues sure. or and all of that, right? It, it's it's a, it's a it's it a, is it's a really hard season to kind of assess teams, isn't it? It is. Uh, you know, I thought of you the other night while I was watching that Wild Oilers Jets game, Steve, because you said something on the podcast last week. I imagine you must have been kind of happy with what you saw in that Jets Oilers game. You said you'd like to see the reins come off the Jets a little bit. I, yeah. Just let them go. Right. Well, I would suggest that what we saw in Edmonton, that's what a Jets team with the reins off a little bit look like. At times, a disaster in their own end, but a really dangerous team when they're in the other team's end. And then you get a 6-5 game like they got where it looks like either team could score anytime they go up the ice. The Jets probably got the benefit of some shoddy Oilers goaltending the other day as well. Jay Bell? No, I don't know who this is. This is a cell phone call coming in. Maybe it's Paul Maurice. Somebody always calls during the podcast, eh? It does, yes. I guess we do it in the early, the late morning, so that's a prime time to call people. But maybe it's Paul Maurice. He wants to know... Uh, no, it's some lady telling me not to hang up. Oh, okay. <laughs> Please. Uh, uh, like, that's the worst telemarketing scheme of all time isn't it i mean uh, come on where you actually answer the phone and they go and there's a lady this automated lady who goes please do not hang up like like yeah who thought that's an invitation to hang up like (laughs) i'm uh you i'm a big seinfeld fan and i i just recently saw the episode where jerry gets a telemarketer call at home and he answers the phone and says i'm busy right now uh, can I call you? Uh, can I call you back tonight? And the telemarketer says, "Well, no, because I'm I'm not working tonight. I'm going to be at home." And Jerry says, "Like exactly, like just like you're calling me. Let me call you tonight." Uh, that's a good line and maybe worth worth using. But yeah, so the, back to the Jets. I mean, that that's what the free for all looked like. Uh, and I don't know that you want to play that way 
the whole season, but it was darn entertaining. They and, won. And the Jets' best players got to shine. The offensive guys, I mean, they're happy. Goalie's probably not that happy. Maybe the defenseman not so much. But yeah, they won. So is that... I found the comments by Mark Shifley after the game to be interesting. Like, so you, the media was asking different questions about how... You know, they, they lost a 4-1 lead or, right. and how deflating would it have been if they had lost the game and this and that and, and, and asking various questions about the game or whatever. And Shifley just continued to kind we of won. just say, we won, we won. We won. <laughs> and I found that a good um, insight into a player's potentially psyche in that, frankly, they don't really care about anything other than what the score is at the end of the game. Right. And, and so, and he just, he just kept saying, yeah, then we won. (laughs) He's just like, what are all these questions about? We won. Well, and not, (laughs) not to crap on things like analytics. I think there's real value to that, but that's where maybe that's crept into the way we analyze games now that we didn't used to. Like we'll look at a game where the end result was positive, but people will still find things to pick apart and say, well, that's not sustainable or that went against the grain. They shouldn't have won because the spreadsheet says so. Um, But Mark Shifley's attitude is, I think what many players are just win baby. Well, they're nine, five and one, like, you know what I mean? Like, so like, yeah, we might not do it the right way, but some days we do. Sometimes we don't. Here's some guy sent me an email. He says, can you remind the readers of your playbook? There's another team on the ice. Paul Maurice's favorite line is they get the other team gets paid too. He says that all the time. All right, folks, we're back for the second period of our Jet Setra podcast. Mike, you had a column in today's uh, edition of the Free Press about Neil Pionk. Um, he's played very well this season. He played very well last season. Um, even a little bit better potentially this season. Um, yeah, the Jacob Truba deal. <laughs> listen, I was a Jacob Truba fan, and so, but it's starting to look um, like it's certainly swaying in the Jets' favor, especially with Ville Henela. Henela. Yes. Also uh, on the farm and looking like he's going to be a good player. Um, Pionk's been quite impressive, though. Let me ask you. This straight up, would you trade today? Forget about Ville Hainala for a second. Would you trade Neil Pionk for Jacob Truba straight up today? That's a tough question. I think you'd have to factor in a couple things: the I salary, right? Yeah. So Jacob Truba is making eight million. Neil right. Pionk's making three. Yeah, that's a bad contract. It that is. The Rangers now have. With, I think it is. I, I'm not sure what's happened with Truba in New York. He has two um, assists this year yeah, in 14 well. games. Right. Uh, the Rangers aren't really going anywhere. Yeah. Like he's, and here's the big thing for me, Steve, that I didn't even realize this because I don't follow the Rangers that closely. Jacob Truba, all this time in Winnipeg, wanted to be a top pairing guy, right? And he finally got his he wish. Was, yeah, he's not a top pairing guy with the Rangers. He's making eight million dollars. The top pairing guy on the right side is Adam Fox, who's who was. Uh, a finalist for Rookie of the Year last year. Adam Fox is making $900,000 this year. Jacob Trouba is making $8 million. Fox is like seven years younger, and he's the number one right-shot defenseman. So Jacob Trouba, at at the age of 27, is making $8 million, has two points, and I'm not saying his at 27 his career is done, but has he hit his ceiling? Maybe. 
Like, is how much more growth or development is there when you're 27? Well, I'm not sure. I think that with him, and I, and I, again, I haven't not seen a Rangers game in ages, and and I have not seen Jacob Truba play. So, I would suggest what's important for Jacob Truba is to get back to never to where he was. Never mind where he might get. Right. To, do you know what I mean? Like, if he could just get back to the player he was. The last two seasons here, he was in Winnipeg. He was a pretty good player here. So here's my theory. So no, I wouldn't make that trade, Mike. Josh Morrissey, I don't think, has been himself since Jacob Truba was traded. It's got got to be more to it than that. But has Jacob Truba been himself since since he was? Like, is it possible that those guys were such a great pair that they brought out the best in each other? Probably, but really, after all this time, still not? Like... Morrissey seems to make uh, Morrissey's play sometimes, and we're off track here on Morrissey. Like he makes some plays, even on the power play where he makes these lazy passes right. across ice. I'm I'm not sure that Jacob Truba would be able to help with that. Yeah, you know what I mean, like he he just seems to be mentally not there. I I don't uh, physically looks okay. Like he skates, he seems to make yeah. plays physically, but he makes some odd me- plays mentally, doesn't he? He does. And the thing with Morrissey and Truba, from when they were such a great pair together, both of them now have long-term security. They both got long-term deals since Morrissey's pays, I think, six million. Truba's making eight. So, uh, but I'll tell you straight up, this Mike, if I was making six million dollars a year here, working at the free press, yes. the first year I'd be awesome. The rest of the year, right? I'd be brutal. <laughs> just checked out. Like, I would. Like I'm telling you, I'd be, you'd be like, <laughs> I've said this a million times. I have no clue how professional athletes continue sure. to perform after you've already made six million dollars. I'm done. And it's guaranteed. And it's guaranteed money. You, guaranteed. You're, there's no worries oh that you're, you God. get laid off. I mean, the worst they Kudos could do them, is boy. send you to the minors, but you still get your full <laughs> salary is. anyways, right? Yeah, I'm phoning it in, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think, so Neil Pionk, here's here's some interesting stats They're that people may not realize. Neil Pionk right now, as of today, he's the sixth highest scoring defenseman in the entire NHL. Last season, the, in the full season, he was the 12th highest scoring defenseman in the NHL. Like, this is a guy... I think there's a lot more offense to Neil Pionk than maybe anybody thought. He's the Jets' best offensive defenseman. A lot of people... Oh, easily, yeah. Easily. Uh, and he's not even playing on the top power play unit. That's Josh Morrissey. He's on the second unit. But Pionk gets a lot of pucks to the net. Uh, he's a good puck distributor. And the Jets have a lot of good forwards who end up doing good things when they when he gets them the puck. Throw in Villahainala, as I say, I don't know that I'd do a, a Pionk for Truba straight-up trade, let alone Pionk and 19-year-old Villahainala for Truba. Um, so in that sense, it's looking better and better with each passing day. So then the other trade that's coming in, the other trade is this year's trade or wherever, which is where... Does not look so good right now. It doesn't, but this is a... this is You, know, you can't grade this no. thing for in 10 games. I mean, this is a... 10-year thing for in, sure in my mind you know what I mean like Jack Roslevic's a point a game player 10 games in with Columbus we'll see if he's doing that Patrick Line yeah. had his moments yeah. um he's also been benched yeah uh and Pierre-Luc Dubois doesn't have a point yet he's only played two games and again I don't think we can really judge those first two games very you know not certainly no. can't judge the value of the trade no not at all so anybody it, who's judging the trade at this point is is like, come on. Folks. Right. And I've gotten a lot of that feedback to my Pionk. A lot of people have said, okay, good point on Pionk Truba, but Chevy absolutely got hosed on this one. And it's like, come on, people. So Chevy hasn't 
ever been hosed on a trade so far. I mean, the, the Kane trade worked out really well. Yeah, for sure. Tyler Myers was a, a decent player for a, a number of years here, right? Who else did they get? In that well, they got trade? Yoel Armia, who was... Oh, yeah, he's a good player. They got Brennan Lemieux. Eh. Uh, they got Drew Stafford, yeah, who right. was a serviceable player. all those player. guys? Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, they... For Evander Kane? Right. And Zach Bogosian, who's... Eh. Is he even playing for the Leafs? He's like their sixth, seventh D. He's right. been he's been in and out of the lineup. So he won a Stanley Cup with Tampa. Well, Tampa didn't win a yeah. cup because of Zach Bogosian, no. but he actually looked okay with the with yeah, the Lightning. Yeah. But that's what you're on a really good team. You yeah. can kind of insulate him. Escape. That's the thing for sure. Yeah, uh, but no, I mean you're right. And even the Lad trade. Uh, um, oh, Andrew Lad. See you later, pal. Like, that's the worst contract in the league. Yeah. For what sure. did they even get? I mean, the the, the win was that they didn't. They didn't sign him to a new contract. Right. They got they got a first-round draft pick for Andrew Ladd, who turned into Logan Stanley. Oh, okay. So, I mean, Logan Stanley is at a nice start to his NHL career with the Jets and this Marco year. Marco Dano they got. And Marco they got. Dano, who, who's actually with the Moose right now again <laughs> yeah, on a second yeah. tour of duty. But you're Apparently right. I mean, a really nice fellow. He is, yes. Always <laughs> smiling. Always smiling. Uh, but, no, I mean, he doesn't tend to make big blockbuster deals, but the few he's made... Again, the Dubois one, it's way too early to measure, but you could say that there's been some some good success with those with those deals. Part of that, you talk about the Ladd contract that they didn't. I mean, the Jets tried to re-sign Andrew Ladd. They probably dodged a bullet there wow, that he did didn't. They ever. Um and maybe they dodged a bullet by not, you know, what if Jacob Truba had said, you know what? Sure, I'll commit to Winnipeg long term. Give me eight years at eight million, which is what he signed for in New York. Would would eight at eight? Would paying Jacob Truba eight million dollars like through to he's thirty four? Would that be a good deal? I mean, the Jets probably would have had to lose a Kyle Connor or a Nikolai Ehlers or something, right, to make room for that. So sometimes it's the the deals or the decisions you don't make that end up being better than the ones you actually do. All right, folks, we're back for the third period of our Jet Cetera. Uh, podcast, yeah, that's what we're doing here. Um, <laughs> um, normally, we chat about other sports that are going on right now, but frankly, Mike, there is no other sports going on right now. And um, I mean, baseball is going to be reporting to training camp. When was that? I think they week? report today. Today's pitchers today's and today's catchers, today. but it's still early for that. So let's talk a little bit more about the Jets. Uh, you went to a moose game uh, last night, Tuesday night. Um, anybody who caught your eye? Christian Reichel. I thought was the best player on the ice for the Moose. A lot of people may not know Christian Reichel. He's actually signed by the Jets now. Uh, he's the son of former NHL Robert Reichel. Uh, I liked him as a player. I did like him as yeah, well. I did. He's um, a very underrated player. He was, yeah. for sure. Sneaky, yeah. good. Solid player. So yeah. Christian was not drafted by anybody. The Moose signed him as a free agent a couple of years ago, like as a 19-year-old undrafted kid. He's had parts of two seasons with the Moose. He ended up, I think he had 12 goals in 39 Moose games last year, most of which came at the tail end. He caught fire late in the year last year with the Moose, earned himself an actual NHL deal. The Jets signed him to a two-way contract. I believe Christian is now 22. He he scored the first goal of the game last night. That is, this, they should be showing it on a loop to players on how to forecheck, including some members of the Jets. He... Just absolutely busted his tail. Uh, ended up sneaking up behind a Toronto defender who had the puck, lifting his stick, stealing the puck. 
uh, getting a shot, getting his own rebound and scoring. It was like a master class in aggressive forechecking. Uh, he's an assistant captain on the Moose at the age of 22. I saw that when they were naming the captains. I was like, who is that guy? Yeah, and I asked Pascal Vincent, and I'm going to write a bit about this in my column today. Uh, Pascal Vincent said there's a reason he's wearing a letter. His work ethic is second to none. This kid, I mean, it may take a couple of years. He could be an NHL player eventually, just a late bloomer kind of guy. And again, you look at his dad, and there's probably some good genes and probably some good lessons learned. So he stood out to me. Um a lot of people want to know about the big three, like Cole Perfetti, who scored his first pro goal in his first pro game. He's only 19. He Monday shouldn't night even he scored that Monday night. He yeah. shouldn't even be in the AHL. Normally, he wouldn't even be able to play in the A. Right. But the Ontario Hockey League is not playing. So, um, you know, I noticed him at times. Like he had a post last night, really nice wrist shot, like just from a standing position, an NHL level kind of wrist shot off the post. His foot speed definitely needs some work, like to get up to, to be an NHL level skater. Uh, Ville Hainala was fun to watch. Um, he's a guy that again is is he he's a danger at both ends of the ice at times. Uh, an offensive didn't think he had five shots on goal last night. Really good scoring chance, but he also had a, an egregious turnover that led to a Toronto goal. So there's some things that they obviously want to work on with him. He's 19 as well, right? He's 19. And I know a lot of people think he should be playing like full time in the NHL right now and that the Jets are holding him down and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't work. These guys need seasoning in a lot of cases. Yeah, he looked I mean, he looked good in that one game. He looked so good because he was replacing somebody who looked so Sammy bad. Niku, yes. Sammy Nico, yes. And so like it was like, oh, my God, this guy should he should be the number one defenseman on the team. Yeah. But, um, yeah, there's still some Dylan Sandberg, the, 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 uh, he's a little bit older as he's a rookie, but he played of course in college who's never played a pro game until Monday night. He didn't have any exhibition games. Um, he's not as flashy as Ville Hanel. They're actually playing together on the blue line an interesting pairing. Uh, and Sandberg is quietly solid. I would say, I mean, he so didn't, now there was talk that he was going to actually make the jets this year. Is he not that far along? Well, I just think they want to get him some some service time at the pro level before they Tucker throw him. Pullman played a whole season. He did with the Moose, right? And yeah. I, I, season, I see right? some similarities between Sandberg and Pullman. Maybe not the same kind of player, but they both went the college route. Yeah. they're both a bit older now, yeah. uh, and I think a full year with the Moose uh, by next year, I expect we do see Dylan Sandberg uh, full time with the team. So, but Christian Reichel was the one who really stood out to me. Uh, look, the Moose are probably going to have, and this is kind of what I'm going to write about today, it, it may be a long, short season on the farm. There's not a lot up front, especially. They got a lot of inexperience and kids. Most of the best players not on the Jets are on the taxi squad right now. So the Moose, there's not a lot there. But this really isn't, isn't a... Sammy Nikos on the taxi squad? Well, he's on the <laughs> roster because they don't want to risk roster. losing him to waivers. Oh, um, Give it up, guys. Yeah. <laughs> but like David Gustafson's on the taxi squad. He, yeah, he should be playing with the Moose and yeah. he'd be a really good player. Christian Veselainen, who's kind of in and out with the Jets as that extra guy, like he'd really benefit probably and the Moose would certainly benefit. 
So, but it's not, and I, I talked a bit with Pascal Vincent post game last night. I'm writing a column on this today. It's really not about wins or losses this year for the Moose. I mean, who cares really? Well, it never is. Really, it never is, is it? but no. this year, even less so. Right. It's more about the process than anything. Um, so, there'll be a, a fun team to watch with some kids there, some growing pains uh, for sure. It's interesting, though, Steve, we talk about the Moose and guys that benefit from time. Which brings me to a guy that I would argue is the Winnipeg Jets' most improved player by far this year, and that is Mason Appleton, who looks terrific. In the, I, I wouldn't have thought Mason Appleton would cement himself as a top nine guy on this team, but he absolutely has. I think he's one point off his career high, and he's done that in. He's got nine points in fifteen games. Uh, his speed is really evident, and I think you'll recall he broke his foot last year at the Heritage Classic playing football at Mosaic Stadium. I don't think he was ever quite the same last year. Like, you break your foot, that's a tough injury to just come back. And he, He's made the loss of Jack Roslovic. For sure. You know, like, not as consequential. Yeah. Roslovic was really good, in my opinion. He was really good in that third-line role last year. And Appleton has certainly um, looked equally as good. Yeah. And Appleton kills penalties, too. He does, right? which I mean, Jack Ross never did no. that, right? So, um, yeah, he's, he's, he's looked really good. I'm not sure. I guess if I was to say who the most improved player on the team was, I'd, I'd be hard to argue that one with you. My, I think that, for me, also one of the most improved players this year is Nikolai Ehlers, um, in that he's actually scoring and shooting the puck right. and playing a bit of a different game than he has. He's 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 progressed in his game in a way that um, is not just all flash. It's actually he's cashing in on the flash, right? And so um, I still like to see him make some improvements in his defensive play. He still makes some odd plays in the defensive zone, you know. And, uh, how, about, how about another guy that we don't talk about as improved? Mark Scheifele's fifth in the NHL in scoring. I, I just do not understand the... He's got 21 points in, in 15 games. That Mark Scheifele is not a good hockey player. I don't get it. Like, I, I, I read it on social media. Yeah. I hear it on from different people that he's... That he's... Like, that he... Um, he's lazy. Um, I just, I, it, it's beyond me. Like he plays a certain style of game that is, he slows it down. He, he, he does. And he, he, he's not Connor McDavid. He's certainly not, but, but oh my goodness, he's, he's like their best player. Really, right. Isn't he? And, and again, isn't he's, he? <laughs> he's got 21 points. Like he's on pace for what would be a 100 point season right. over. Oh, and, it's all on the power play though, Mike. And he, no, it's not. He's got two not. power play points this year <laughs> out of his 21. It's almost all even strength. That's the incredible thing. But he's not any good defensively. Right. And and yet he's playing usually against the other, t he's playing against the McDavid's yeah. or the Matthews or whoever every yeah. game. And he's still putting up, you know, a point and a half a game and nobody gives him credit. Like you said, the people want him. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how this line progresses of him and Wheeler and Andrew Kopp. Right. I, 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 it looked good the other night. What do you think? I'll t well, it did, but I'll tell you what I really liked the other night. changing the lines night. again tonight? No, I don't think so. Oh, come on. But I'll tell you what me. I really liked the other night. Nikolai Ehlers and Kyle Connor together. Yeah. Now, Paul Stasny was between them the other night. I how about changes to Pierre Lebrun? Well, Lebrun. imagine. Is he playing tonight? We don't know yet. We don't know yet. Probably not. 
Uh, but imagine Pierre-Luc Dubois between Nikolai Ehlers and Kyle Connor. That could be a lot of fun. Put Paul Stasi down maybe on the third line with Lowry and Appleton if you want to keep Cop up. And suddenly the Jets have three really good lines. All right, folks, we're back for the overtime period of our Jet Setter podcast. Mike, as you mentioned earlier, the polar vortex is almost done. I left work here yesterday. I saw around your, quarter I saw your Facebook post, and <laughs> yeah. I thought I was thinking the same thing. It was minus twenty-one right. when I got into the car. The sun was shining, and it felt so warm. I know it was crazy. I was like, "What the heck?" And it's it's amazing. The again perspective or whatever. So thank God it's over. Um, it's going to be uh, balmy this weekend. Like I'm, I'm looking zero. at the I'm looking at my weather app. Saturday high of minus six, okay. low of minus ten. Right. Sunday zero, and mine's, a, a mine says one. A low of minus five, and then Monday plus two, low of minus two. There's even a chance of rain showers. Nice. Uh so yeah. I mean, we deserve it. We we just had. I think it was like 10 or 12 straight days where the temperature did not climb above minus 20. It's been a while since that's happened around here. Did it kill the Rona? So at the same time, <laughs> yeah. it killed the Rona. Um, <laughs> the cold it killed, killed a it. lot of cars, I'll it tell did. you that. It killed the Rona, folks. Um, so um, anyway, so they also relaxed the Rona regulations. Yes. Uh, and this allowed you to return to the gym. Um, anything else? Did it change anything? Else? It How did, was your experience? It, back my gym, well, I've now gone three times since last Friday, uh, and I've enjoyed every second that I've been in there. It's a little different. So you have to wear a mask like the entire time, including while you're on the machine, uh, working out, doing cardio while wearing a mask and getting your heart rate really going. Like that's not easy, but I, you know, it's, it's a small sacrifice to make. People do that for, they get, they can wear these masks uh, for altitude training. Right. And you run up and down garbage hill. I would see them there when I used to oh. train on garbage hill and they'd run up and down garbage hill or whatever to train for altitude training. Or I would whatever, right? assume they're just wearing them to get the smell of garbage. No, uh, out. I know it doesn't there. smell. <laughs> used to, but uh, yeah. So the gym, but that's really the only thing in my life that's changed. I mean, we, I could go, we could go dine in in a restaurant. I haven't, I don't really plan to anytime soon. Um, I don't go get manicures or pedicures, so that didn't really change for me. I don't know about you. Um, I, I'm not sh- nothing. So I went to Polo Park on Friday, but I think was that new? I did go to Lululemon on Friday. I returned something. No, I, you would have been able. I bought these pair. I bought these pants, Mike. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, by the way, they have men's clothing at Lululemon. People seem to be surprised by this. Right. But anyways, they, another another sponsor we could get. <laughs> um, I think you could go to, you could have gone to a mall because they were all stores were open at 25% capacity prior to Friday prior to, oh, okay, I yeah. think the only changes Friday were, um, you know, some personal services that were now allowed to open, uh, dining in and gyms. Uh, and I may have missed a couple things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I haven't, uh, I, I did not dine in. I'm not sure that I, I, I don't, I, it's weird. I don't really miss that experience. Um, I'm not, um, and uh, I didn't go to the gym. I've been working out at home, and so yeah, nothing's really changed for me. Um, I, I'm looking. I'm just looking forward to the weather changing a bit. Yeah. That will be most welcome. And you figure like 12 days from now, we're already into March. That's traditionally the snow starts melting. Like uh, I did mention, that I bought a new bike. Didn't you I? did, yes. Well, and then was that on the last podcast? I believe I it was that? on the last podcast. That's right. Yeah. Some guy sent me an email. He wanted me to explain more 
about what gravel biking was. I'm going to write about that in my playbook. But just for, if he's listening, and if anybody else is curious about what gravel biking is, it's basically a drop bar bike, right? As opposed to a flat bar bike, and um, the tires are like a little wider than what a road bike would be, which allows you to ride your bike on all kinds of terrain. Yeah, you don't just have to ride it on gravel. No, no, there's <laughs> not a lot of places that you can even no. ride on gravel, especially this time of year. Well, yeah, exactly. But it 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 just it's just. Um, it's for off-roading, but also roading. It's kind of like a combination between a, a bit of a mountain bike, a bit of a road bike, a bit of a trail bike, but it has drop bars so that you can maybe ride a little further and stuff like that. I'm hoping to do some longer bike rides this year. Like the goal would be to do a hundred mile ride and we'll see how, you know, but I'll build up to that or whatever. Where would a hundred miles take you? Would you go in one direction or would you do 50 miles one way and then turn around? Yeah, <laughs> probably you would maybe do a loop, but I mean, you could do like a ride to, uh, there's a, tra there's trails that'll take you all the way up to like Victoria beach. Right. Um, that would be about a, a buddy of mine does that ride and that's about a hundred miles. Um, or you could ride to Grand Beach or, and then stay over and then ride back or something like that. So I, uh, you joked earlier about me crunching numbers. I just crunched some numbers the other day about how far I've been. I do my daily walks. So how many miles have I walked since I started kind of doing it on the daily? And I figured out recently, Steve, uh, that I could have walked at this point since last summer. I could have walked to Regina and back. Wow. Um, I'm not sure why you would want to go to Regina. <laughs> well, and so I joke that, you know, I would have walked there and then people would, why wouldn't, why would you walk, come back? Well, cause I went to Regina. So you want to come back. <laughs> or if I just wanted to go straight in one direction, let's say South that I could have walked to Lincoln, Nebraska at this point. I, wow. I've been to Lincoln. Me I too. covered a gold ice playoff series it. there. Yeah. It's uh, it. it's a nice little town, kind of a college town. Um, right. Nice baseball stadium there with, with the, uh, the salt dogs. Uh, but yeah, the, uh, but I've never done, the longest walk I've ever done in one fell swoop was like five miles. So a hundred mile bike ride blows me away. The concept of doing that. It's about a four or five hour thing. Although uh, I will just quickly, the, the one marathon I ran in my life was in 2005. I ran the half marathon, which was 13 miles. Um, I'm the idiot that decided to run a half marathon just as a bucket list thing. But the most, the, the training that I did leading up to it, the longest run I did to train for a 13 mile run was a four mile run. Oh. So I then added nine miles to the longest run wow. I've ever done in my life. And I, I did it without stopping once. That was my only goal. I didn't really? care what my time was. I just wanted to run 13 miles without stopping. So you ran the whole time? You never walked? I did. Exactly. That oh, was wow. my goal. Uh, did it in two hours and 27 minutes, 13 miles. But safe to say, Steve, around mile eight or nine, I started hitting what runners would describe as the wall. Uh, and but some you broke through. And you I did break through the wall. Um, and yeah, I, I would not suggest if you're training for a long distance or if you're going to do something long distance to try and train close to that distance. Don't just wait till race day well, and do it. Build up to it. Yeah. That's yeah. What, that's the thing. So that would be the equivalent of you doing a hundred mile bike ride where your previous longest ride was like 10 miles. Yeah, exactly. Although I could probably do that. We'll see. I would probably try to do that knowing me. <laughs> with <laughs> your gravel like bike. It's not like I don't train. So it's like right. I have other training in my life. So I probably could ride 100 miles. We'll, I'll let, <laughs> we'll report back, folks. All right. We're out of time, Mike. Um, the Jets play tonight. 
play Friday in Vancouver. They play Sunday in, Sunday Vancouver. in Vancouver. And then uh, then they're off for a few days till next Thursday when the Habs are in town. Okay, so, so we'll talk to you folks next Monday and let you know how the How Jets about Wednesday, did. Steve? Oh, next Monday. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it next Wednesday, Mike. <laughs> we'll talk to you I'm Wednesday. I'm starving, folks. Sorry if I'm wavering here. I'm, I'm, I'm fading, Mike. I haven't eaten yet today. All right. Uh, enjoy the week. Enjoy the warmer weather, folks. We'll see you next week.